0: Today's guest is Jay Perkins. Jay is a faithful husband and father of three. He enjoys being an active member in his church community with his family in Atlanta, Georgia. In 2008, Jay left his corporate job to build a special needs activity center for his daughter who encounters significant sensory challenges. This led to the development of his current business, Sensory Solutions, where he builds and constructs sensory-based spaces in schools and churches for children with special needs. In this podcast, Jay speaks from an honest and transparent perspective as the father of a child with special needs and shares how disability has transformed his outlook on life. Welcome to The Banquet, a podcast that inspires by highlighting stories of the dedicated men and women doing ministry amongst the special needs and disability populations and equips those already engaged in the margins by answering the practical on-the-ground questions of the ministry. I'm Allie McCarty, and today we have Jay Perkins with us on the air. Hi, Jay.
1: Hello, Allie.
0: We're excited to have you with us today.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. So, Jay, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the ministry that you're involved in and your motivation behind that ministry?
1: Sure. Well, I am a... um Faithful husband and father. I've um, been married 20 something years, 26, seven. Um, <laughs> three kids, and one's at Baylor University. He's 20, a junior there, and two daughters that are both at home. Um, and my ministry is around uh, special needs kids and special needs ministries. My 18 year old daughter has a very rare um, genetic syndrome. And um, that has been a part of, um, our family life. Well, she's 18 and I have a 15 year old daughter who, um, is what in our world we call typically developing. Um, she's an awesome, high energy, wonderful, um, kid who, um, occasionally is daddy's girl. Um, but you know, she's in her teens. And so there are times when she's not, um, Jennifer um some of her needs are very sensory based um and they're extreme in that um if she's off centered or disturbed because of the senses around uh, how they're being affected um she can get violent aggressive self-injurious um a lot of things that that um you don't want in a daughter so her um, you know, we have to do things that help her sensory integration. So in 2008, we launched an activity center for kids that was sensory based for special needs kids. Um, we ran that, um, for 10 years. And in that time I rolled into doing sensory rooms, um, multi-sensory rooms, quiet rooms, um, sensory spaces, there are a lot of different words for them in schools and churches. And that's what I do. Um, and mostly, I am a dad, and my jobs are um, in addition to that. Um, when Jennifer was young, um, she didn't fit in because she was noisy. She would get up in the middle of a service and talk loud and run up and down the aisles with her little shoes flapping up and down in the middle of a sermon. Um, then. And there was nowhere for her to go. She couldn't go to her age age appropriate, I guess, Sunday school class because she didn't fit in. She couldn't read the stories like everyone else. She didn't want to sing the songs. There was nowhere for her. And so she started rebelling and we could not get her out of the house to go to church. So in that case, one parent would stay home with Jennifer. The other parent would go with the other two kids um, to church. We couldn't go as a family. Over time, our church embraced Jennifer. They learned to love her. They found a place for her in their nurturing center that was good for everyone. When they found a place, um, we could go as a family. We could worship together. Um, So that's really the message is families need to be able to worship together. And there are going to be families who you notice aren't able to. Try to help them do that. And that's part of, you know, we build sensory rooms because it helps special needs kids go to church. There are other ways. So um, in your congregation, in your church, in your community, um, accept the different people um, and embrace them in your church and help them get there on a regular basis because then the family can go together.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so as you've shared already, disability has... Uh, personally affected your life can you talk about how um, disability has really impacted your outlook on life
1: sure um, well, I don't know if the, the folks listening to this have a special needs child or a person with disabilities in their life um, but it is very different um, than when you're you you have a typically developing child only or children, um, in that is you know we are um, as a family our tolerance of not just people but tolerance of um, extreme things in life is really really high. Um, things just don't get us over excited. Um, we um, you know a person is a person in our world. We don't see disability we don't see different we don't see things like that first um, that's becomes natural after a certain amount of time um, and I, I wasn't raised that way I was raised um, kind of you know everybody is unique therefore everybody's different and then you know it's it's easy to notice differences now after having a special needs kid you don't um, how are how has it affected us um, we're tired? when you have a special needs kid, you know, you're, you're very s- sleep deprived. Um, we also are very optimistic. Um, every day is a new day for, um, another miracle. Um, Jennifer's miracles can be very, if, if you're looking at it from a, you know, a layman's standpoint or uh, 10,000 feet, um, her miracles may not seem like miracles to other people, but, you know, just today, um, she was able to do some coin adding, um, some money addition problems that she couldn't do yesterday. And that part, um, is we, you know, we have daily miracles. Um, and then the, what else is different is the siblings of a special needs kid are the heroes. They're the real heroes in life because they didn't ask for a sibling. Um, and they didn't specially ask for a special needs sibling. Um, and they are, you know, part of their life is um having to deal with the violence the aggression um for a long time my youngest daughter couldn't have friends over um, because jennifer would do a lot of things that um were inappropriate um so it's different um you know our social life is different because jennifer want to think jennifer's issues is a sleep disorder so um socializing at night is just doesn't happen anymore um we're used to that it doesn't bother us anymore um. How is it different? It's you know everybody's got their challenges, so we're not that different.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um. So something that we, you, and I, we had discussed in the past was the Welcome to Holland essay, which I'm going to read for us real quick, and then ask you some of your own thoughts on that. So this is the Welcome to Holland essay by Emily Pearl Kingsley. I am often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability, to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it, to imagine how it would feel. It's like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian, It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say. What do you mean Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland and there you must stay. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks, and you must learn a whole new language, and you will meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy, but after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around, and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills, and Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy, and they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever, ever go away. Because the loss of that dream is a very, very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland.
1: Um Welcome to Holland really is probably the best description and or you know just overview of of us having a special needs kid that I've ever read. Um, and it especially is good because it's short and, and, and I like things that I can read in a very short amount of time and understand clearly. Um, so welcome to Holland is, you know, in, in short, it's, you know, you plan on going to Italy for a long time, you get excited about it. Then that's the nine months of getting ready to have a baby. And, um, in those nine months, you have all these visions of, you know, in, in a, in a dad's world. Um, and that's my perspective, you know, before I is, um, I only know a dad's perspective of raising kids. Um, so when I say I, or we, um, you know, yeah, of course there are exceptions to every rule, but I've, I've, I know a lot of dads with special needs kids. Um, I talked to a lot of them and so we're all very kind of similar in our, in the way we are. So anyway, Um, the dad's approach is, you know, I have a kid coming, um, and it's, you know, if it's a boy, he's going to be the next Chipper Jones. If it's a girl, she's going to be Mia Hamm. She's going to be the greatest artist. And you start planning mentally, all of these things that your kids are going to be. And if it's a boy, you're going to go fishing and you're going to go skiing and, you know, teach them how to drive a boat, drive a car, Um, how to date and all of those things are, are, are part of getting ready to have that, that child. Um, you know, and for me, you know, people would always ask, you know, do you want a boy or a girl? And the answer is, well, you know, it doesn't matter as long as they're healthy. No, I want a boy, but I can't say that. But anyway, you do. That's just, you know, it's, it's, it is, you know, when, when Chase, our our oldest was born, you know, I celebrated when the doctor said, it's a boy. I'm like, yes. <laughs> my wife's like, what? Um, anyway, that's sidetracked. Um, so getting planned, getting ready to go to Italy, getting ready to have a baby. Um, You have the baby. And um, with Jennifer, um, we, you know, in a lot of kids, you don't notice right off the bat, um, that they're going to be different. Um, and with us, you know, just over time, um, she didn't roll over, um, in that schedule, um, you know, didn't sit up, didn't walk and and all of those benchmark times that you're given or that you read in the books. Um, and then, you know, during that time, you know, you have people that are very, very, that love you, your family members that want to help you feel better. And so they're saying things like, don't worry kids develop at their own time their own speed um you know blah 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 so maybe you don't notice that there's something different um by about age four we did with jennifer um because we she went to a preschool and um was not behaving appropriately to that classroom um and that's where um the plan lane lands in holland And so you know you've taken off, you've got your bags packed, you're ready to go to Italy. You're excited. The plane lands, and Jennifer's four, and we have a special needs child. We've we've landed in Holland. Um, So you know, a dad. um, You know, we we a lot of our emotions and a lot of our our actions are driven by things like pride, self-esteem, um, the winning, um, you know, we want to have the kid that's the best on the soccer field. Um, we want to have, you know, we want to be the CEO of, of the company on the board of directors of the, of the you know big companies we want. That's, you know, that's in, in my world at the time when Jennifer was born, that's who I was. Um, And then, you know, you're, we had our first child and he was, you know, he competed, um, you know, he wasn't going to be the next Chipper Jones, but he definitely was good and excelled and we worked with him and all of that. Um, Well, when Jennifer went out to play soccer when she was four, um, you know, the kids are running around in a scrum going from one end to the other. And, you know, I'm on the sidelines, hoping she's kicking the ball that she's, all along and you know you look over and jennifer's doing snow angels in the grass it's cute but and the other parents and dads are kind of laughing um and but deep inside you're saying why can't my kid do what those other kids are doing she can run and kick in the backyard i know she can she's done it why is she doing snow angels why is she running the wrong way um, why won't she go out on the field when she's told to? And that's where you know your the dad's pride, my pride, my ego were all being really, really um, beaten down. Um, that's when you know you're getting off the plane in Holland and you're starting to see, you're learning. Uh oh, I'm not in Italy. And we packed for a really long trip um, how am I going to do this? And, you know, you can't, it's just not culturally okay to say, I wish my kid was different. Um, it bothers me that she can't run in the soccer scrum. Um, you, it, you just can't say that. And so, you know, you, when you have the emotions that are driving behaviors and driving, um, just the way you feel, um, it's important to talk about them. And in those early days, I couldn't talk about how I felt about having a child that was different. Um, and so that made things really, really hard. Um, our community are are filled with people who, just were very supportive um, and taught us a lot of things that helped. One was um, our faith and how we could rely on God to um, just help us through that period. Um, it's easy to say when someone says, Do you want a boy or a girl? It's easy to answer. It doesn't matter as long as they're healthy. And it's easy to think when they are when they have disabilities that I'm going to treat them the same way I would my other kids or I'm going to be the best father or I'm going to do everything I can to help that child. And when deep inside, I wanted a typical kid. I did not want a special needs kid. I did not sign up for this. Um, so it's that it's the, it's the God thing, um, that we learned early on, um, that taught us that day to day, we just had to be the best parents and the best servants we could be. Um, so the you know the plane landed in holland and we started touring and um you know we had our oldest that kind of paved the ground and told us you know gave us the joys and the beauty of who he is Um then we had jennifer and then we had our third child um who you know third kids are a little different um they they have the energy and they're the rebels and i'm i'm a third i'm a youngest so i know um but we're, you know, we're traveling through Holland and learning that um, it's just what we were given. And we landed there, we can't leave, we're gonna be there forever. Um, And then all of a sudden, things start getting prettier, we start enjoying them, the flowers come out, the tulips in Holland, um, you know, in the essay, it mentions all those things. Um, God gave us that essay. Um, that my wife and I could help each other get through a tough time by just saying to the other, Hey, how are the flowers in Holland today? And just that short little question, um, or something that's like, you know, been to Holland lately or, you know, it, it brought us back, um, to, to a good place, um, you know, everybody's got their challenges. Every parent does. Um, the difference in what we go through as the, as the parent of a special needs kid, um, is everlasting and unknown. Um, and just like we are in this culture right now, where we don't know what a virus is going to do to us. If the next day it's going to be, um gone more if we're gonna have it if our wife's gonna have it you know it's it's a lot of unknown that creates anxiety and it's that it's it's very similar with a special needs kid because i don't know if tomorrow there's going to be something that is really really drastically different with her that will be new um for me to deal with you know you don't know it's unknown
0: Um, well, Jay, thank you for sharing that with us. I've never heard um such an honest perspective on that before. And I've never even heard someone walk through the Welcome to Holland essay. Um, I like how you tied that into your own life with your daughter. Um, that was cool. I've never I've never heard it said like that before. So thank you. Um so last time we talked, you had mentioned the five stages of grief for yourself and for your spouse. Can you elaborate a little further on that for us?
1: Sure. Um, you know, uh, this, you know, my thoughts on this are are not um, research-based or, you know, it, it's really just, you know, I'm one of those touchy-feely guys where it's just, this is how I felt. And, you know, it's, it's Kuba Ross's book, the five stages of grief. And she deals specifically with grief as it relates to a death of someone near you or a near death, someone that's dying. Um, and the book is on death and dying. If, um, if anybody's interesting, but anyway, I apply that to um, parenting with a special needs kid and, you know, the stages um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance all happen. Um, the difference in what, I go through and my wife goes through um, versus someone who is going through grief. um, When someone dies is once you get to acceptance in that situation, you can leave those five stages. With a special needs kid, you never leave. And so there is always a risk of being in one of those stages and they don't go in order. Um, And so you know, the denial part starts at the very, very beginning. Um, you know, kids develop at different stages. Um, she's going to come along, everything's going to be fine. Um, and starting to believe that um, is the denial part. Um, when well, I'll move on, then you, you have the anger. Um, and anger is is challenging because in our society we're not allowed to be angry with kids. We're not allowed to be angry with our spouse. Um, we are, but we can't really. It's 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 not accepted. Um, so the anger part, um, we are angry, um, and with Jennifer's sleep disorder when she was young. Fortunately, now she's grown out of that. But um, you know, she would be up at four o'clock in the morning for the day um and so one of us would have to get up with her being you know, being angry at um her waking up in the middle of the night and us having to get up with her um anger comes on really fast it's you get snake bit um because especially when you're a young parent um, you start to think that, you know, what am I doing wrong that she can't sleep? Um, what should I be doing different? Um, and that's when the anger kicks in. I can tell you all sorts of stories, but, um, I'll tell you this one. So (laughs) she was, uh, you know, my wife and I would, would swap off, um, kind of depending on my workload. Um, at that point I was in corporate world and had a lot of that stuff going on um so it was like three o'clock in the morning and jennifer got up and my wife elbowed me she said your turn so i went into the living room and jennifer was petting a rat so i didn't jump up and down and get hysterical why do you have a rat you know it was more jennifer well, you have a rat in your hand i thought it was dead i thought the cats had drug it in or whatever well then it moved and wow. <laughs> so now i just went up the code red or orange whatever that top code is um and started going through the you know she might get rabies and she's gonna bite her and um all of that and you know eventually she did get her friend out the door um and that's just an example of of jennifer and what life kind of is um during that period of walk waking up and her getting the rat out the door was, you know, was, was denial, was anger, was bargaining, you know, bargaining, God don't let it bite her, you know, and and, or I'll, you know, and so, you know, you go through those five stages, it could be in 30 minutes. It could be, you stay in one for, for weeks. Um, the, the goal, my goal, Um, is when one of the when I'm in one of those stages of grief and it's bringing me down it makes it hard for me to live in peace to get connected to God because that anger is in between me and God and that clogs the pipeline which means I'm not able to be the dad that I think God wants me to be the husband the friend Um, So all five of those um, stages can get can clog up that pipeline. Um, So I have to stay out of what that means is you take take one of them um, depression depression is 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 awful Um, and it is a key driver of um, things like addictions divorce suicide and those are high rates of those in the special needs world um more so than in typical developing typically developing and a lot of it's driven by depression um my job is to find a way to stay out of depression um and that is for me it's all those things that you 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 see on the websites or read the books it's eating healthy it's exercising it's um you know and for me it's praying it's spiritual development um and when I'm doing those, it helps me s- stay out of depression, stay out of anger, stay out of denial. Um, and I can live um, as a true servant um, as, as I want to. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, the, the five stages of grief, I'm, you know, I'm not a professor. I'm not a PhD. Um, it's just me. Um, What we we do want to do is get to acceptance. So again, you got denial, anger, bargaining, depression, Um, get to acceptance. And um, and that's where you can move on uh, with God.
0: Yeah. And that's when you can see the tulips in Holland. And that's when you can see and notice the windmill. Um, That's really cool. Yes. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so when we talked in the past, you had also discussed the I am third mentality, which I had not heard before. And that was in comparison to the, the common phrase, I am second. So what is the difference between I am third or I am second? I'd love to hear your thoughts on those.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm the only one I know that says I'm second because it sounds selfish, but I'm okay with that. Um, I'm third comes from a book that was written by a guy named Gail Sayers. He was a running back, you know, hall of famer for the Chicago bears back in the late sixties and early seventies. Um, a teammate of his Brian Piccolo, um, got cancer and, um, he was one of Gail Sayers best friends and Gail did the cancer to death walk with Brian Piccolo, um, side by side. And, you know, if you're, interested the book is i'm third but there's also a movie called um, brian's song which got a little more play um gail sears developed a way of being that he used as saying i am third god first other second i am third um very noble um and it is very um I, I, it's it's you know it's an it's a no there's a noble note to it Um, it also sounds good. Um, but for me, I am third doesn't work. Um, it is God first. I am second, others third. Um, because if I'm not second, I can't serve others. If I'm not second, I am not directly connected to God in a way that will help me serve others. Um, if others get before God in me, um, then I, I will end up trying to serve them, and that is not healthy. Um, it's codependency, it's uh, um, trying to be a pleaser, it's, you know, you're being, I would be being motivated for things other than what God's will is. So I believe that it's it's I'm second, God first, I'm second, others third. Um, and it's okay to be a little selfish, um, because in the end that, um, that's how we win.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's the whole, put your oxygen mask on first mentality too.
1: It is.
0: Yeah. So, um, another thing that you and I had talked about when we first met was, um, that it's pretty common for people, especially in the church, to ask, "Is there anything I can do for you or for your family?" which is kind of a loaded question in itself. I would love to hear your response on um, or I would love to hear your response to that question. And furthermore, what, what do you prefer that people ask or, or do?
1: It, it, well, it is a, it, It's something people want to do. They want to help people will naturally help, especially in church. You know, it's, it's that's just the way it is, um, and it's easy if someone you know if a, if a friend breaks his leg, um, and it's easy to, to do things that can help. You know, get on a meal train or take them things. When you have a special needs kid, um, it's it's a daily daily grind. Um, so. People wanna help and they'll say, hey, is there anything I can do? I, my, the answer, my answer is no, because we live in a very complicated four walls. There's nothing you can do. Um, pray for me. Um, you know, and so we. My, theory, my philosophy is when you have someone in that, just bring them a casserole. And it's my casserole theory. Um, I think one of the best things to do for a family who has special needs child or a person with disabilities and it is their daily life forever um, is you bake a casserole, lasagna, you take the lasagna to their house, you put it on their front porch and maybe one of those styrofoam coolers and you leave. Text them, call them, don't even call them because then they they have to say thank you. Um, Text them and say, there's lasagna on your front porch, no need to reply. And that is a miracle to the p- family who gets it because uh, the hardest thing, one of the hardest things for us to do is fix dinner for our three kids and ourselves. Um, it, it, it happens after the fact, after we've gotten, we've taken care of everything else. Um, and to have someone bring us dinner that is rib sticking, so it does not, you know, it's not a salad. Um, It's not carrots. It's something that's rib sticking that all we got to do is stick it in the oven and it 45 minutes at 350 and it's ready. Um, And then we stick it in the fridge. And whenever we're hungry for as long as it lasts, we go in and we get a square and we stick it in the microwave and we eat it. And it's delicious. And it's, uh, that's what you can do for somebody is that's my take them a casserole.
0: Yeah, I Thanks. like that. I like that you named it the casserole theory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know what? We don't want to ask. If you say it, Allie, if you go, Jay, what can I do? I'm going to say, bring me a casserole. You know, but if you brought me a casserole and drop it, and please, if anybody's listening to this podcast, don't bring me a casserole because then I'd feel guilty <laughs> that I'm asking for things. No, this is for other people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um yeah something that you had typed in an email to me was you said many meals in the community are delivered to families during a family crisis great but don't forget about the family who's just hunkered down in everyday life yes. I like that a lot I like that a lot because um like you've mentioned before um you know this is this is everyday life for you this is um your new outlook on life this is Holland for you it's not Italy so yeah um, so Jay, is there anything else that you would want to share with us before we close?
1: You know, the, um, I'm a boater. I love to boat and there's a rule on the water. It's an unwritten rule that when you're approaching another vessel. And so if you're boat, you know, you got a ski boat that's about to pass a pontoon boat. Well, people look, look at each other across the water, and that's okay because, you know, you want to see their boat. You want to know who it is, but the rule is you have to wave, and that's what we need is it's okay to look at my daughter. She does look different. She acts different. Um, when you do, just wave. Just say hello. Um, there are People who, there are our miracle workers in the community. Um, Jennifer and my wife were at um, Publix. We needed a ton of stuff. They filled up the grocery cart and near the end of filling it up, Jennifer, something happened that snapped. And she started doing things that could easily have caused someone to call the police or throw us out or whatever. Um, you know, my wife has this full bag, buggy of groceries. I don't think they're called buggies anymore. Full cart of groceries. She gets up there and Jennifer is adamant about not letting, um, her check out. The lady at the, at the, at the um, register looks at my wife and says, just hand me your card and go. I'll take care of it. So Michelle and Jennifer, Michelle got Jennifer out of the door. Jennifer thought they were getting, she was winning because they were getting out without buying everything. By the time they got to the car and Michelle got buckled in, the lady from Publix came out. The cart was, everything was bagged up. She handed my wife the credit card, put everything in the back of the car and said, "Have have a nice day. That's what you can do. That's the message. Say hello, wave. Yes. look, because we do look different. And that's okay, we are different. Um, come up and say hello, we're not, we're not gonna bite you. Um, and then kids with meltdowns in a grocery store, the kid generally can't help it. They don't wanna have a meltdown. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't wanna displease their parents. It Generally, they cannot help it. So don't judge.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Jay. Jay, I feel like there's so many of us that needed to hear all that you talked about today. Um, you've opened my eyes to a lot of different things in relation to disability, and I really appreciate how raw and honest you were. Um, it's really given me a new perspective on families with children with disabilities. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Until next time on Welcome to the Banquet. Our guests are truly amazing people, so we encourage you, our listeners, to connect with them. Contact information and short bios will be listed in the details of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and join us next time at Welcome to the Banquet.